Miss Macintosh, my darling, chapter 49.6, and this is the last part. Perhaps he was one, and perhaps he was the other. Perhaps he was the third, who was the shuttle dream dreaming through him, moving, fading. His small presentiments made him shake with a vast fear, the effects being always greater than the unknown cause, the effects growing incalculably like the horizon he pursued. He staggered through the wind windless days as if he heard the sign wind. He reeled from side to side, back and forth, lost a mile when he gained two miles, and when he went only one mile, lost a mile as if he had not moved, or had moved only an inch, and in an inestimable inch, an inestimable inch forward or backward, or lost two miles. And thus his progress was very slow, slow as a rasping of his breathing upon his vocal cords, and sometimes though he traveled straight forward, he found that he had described a circle, or many circles, or semicircles, many orbs, and sometimes it seemed as if he could walk only a wavering surf line, the foam of the starlight upon his face, and sometimes it seemed as if returning upon himself as a bee in the planetary girdle buzzed like his consciousness. He saw all things twice, even those which he had not noticed, or which he had forgotten, even those which had not been visible to him in his first journey. Perhaps his was always the second journey. Perhaps there had never been a first, even the first being illegaic with awakening memories, forgotten thoughts like the last. Starfish raced with him. Even when racing with the seashell, slow and torpid as he was, he came in second, never first in this great steeplechase, where, as he would always say, the turf meets the surf. Sandpipers ran before him. He raced with an old carousel horse running loose in a wainswept garden. He raced with an old sulky driver, the fringes of his sulky burning like blowing flames before his skull face, as he passed him twice upon a winding road or a road going forever straight forward. His head roaring with old dreams, his eyes blurred by singing winds, the winds singing through him. Sometimes he felt as if he had been hit by a many-branched chandelier, swinging through a wide arc of the heavens, swinging with all its lights lighting this dead world and this dead face. It seemed to him that though in the wide reaches of space there had been no other obstacle, yet it had collided with him who could not move unless he brushed against a firefly or a moth or a star or a rose, all images passing as if with him, through him. It seemed as if all his problems were doubled by his doubts, his creative doubts, mirrored doubts accompanying him in lonely ways or even through vast crowds, and never was he so lonely as in those crowds which knew him not or thought he was not there, looming like some great obstacle, for they passed through him as through a cloud. And yet, and yet did he not think, feel, dream, ponder, weigh, consider, question, reply? And did he not feel dim whirlwinds sometimes stirring through him, and perhaps greater hurricanes than man had ever known singing through him, as the wind blew the stars out of their way? And did not his many-chambered heart roar with the memory of a sea of unknown origin? And did not his great arteries branching like tree branches carry his quicksilver blood into many veins branched into capillaries thin as threads or hairs of starlight? His fingertips stinging as with sea nettles, and was he not the living lighthouse at that one moment, when he saw his light, moment when he was dying, and were not his lights burning in all his cells, or almost all, even those previously darkened, burning perhaps by reflection like that star which had already gone out and yet shone on? And did not he see his light as he saw the darkness like a shadow passing over the crumbling moon, the moon diminishing to a thread or a spot, the darkness increasing as the skies were divided into day and night and pole and pole? the upper Empyrean, the lower Empyrean, the darkness sweeping like surf until there was perhaps only one ray of light, his own light shining, shining from him, and did not see, and did, and did not he see between the darkness and the darkness his cheek flushed red with his blood, his rose lip pendulous in the rain, 
sparkling eyes staring at him through the darkness, lighted by one wandering flame or the fog enclosing him and winding around him like some great wall of mother of pearl Irving's shell. So did the child return to his mother? Was he rising from the sea, or was he sinking? Scarcely a light shone, and even that might be only the memory of light or light filtered through another consciousness, perhaps of one long dead. All objects seemed to double in this pervasive fog, so he scarcely knew which was the tree and which was the shadow, which was the city and which was the shadow, which was the man and which was the bird. It seeming as if his confusions had added another dimension to his life, his death. And how often he had nearly collided with himself, though this, would seem, though this would seem impossible. It would seem impossible itself should meet with self in the wide reaches of space, all of space winding between them, perhaps all of time, or perhaps what one feeble moment, a sigh, a cry, a whisper, fading over the waters of the dream. These waters reflected all images, all which were passing, all which were not previously visible. But did they keep none, or were the reflections real? Were only the unreal things real, and the mirrored prow of the boat more real than the boat? So he must often have thought, trying to set sail upon a reflection, trying to board the shadow of the boat upon the waters, although perhaps it was his reflection who did so and passed into the mirrored port lights. The shadow of his cape moved over the mirrored stars, the stars upon the warped waves, and how many blows there were which were not felt, winds not noticed by him, hammerings, crying, scarcely realized, whistlings in distance, his tripper seeming to increase. His sensitivity having never yet approximated all his thoughts, which seemed like that calm which was greater than the storm, no matter how great the storm was, and even if it should seem to have an periphery or rim, if even the ragged remnant of a storm should cause a bird to fall fluttering from the heavens, that storm was great enough. Perhaps each storm had many centers. Sometimes he dreamed, of course, that he was not one but two, or two so intricately involved that they were one, or almost one, so that his fate was another's fate, he being bound to another throughout eternity and by such intricate weavings and interweavings that he would scarcely know which one he was. He was almost like that weaver who had spun out, had woven himself into his tapestry, weaving his body threads of silver and gold, the visible and invisible threads, and then was amazed to find himself in another landscape, though doubtless he flattered himself if he thought he was the weaver of his dreams, illusions, presentiments, eyes staring through clouds when his eyes were void.'